Welcome to the Living in South Louisiana podcast, where we talk about anything and everything living in South Louisiana. We talk about community events, and we bring on local professionals and business owners and discuss ideas, stories, and much more. We have all kinds of discount codes and coupons and giveaways that we do on this podcast. And I'm your host, Carson Rich, here with my co-host, Mr. Chuck Losher, my mentor, friend, and Mr. Entrepreneur. This is episode number one, where Chuck and I talk about each other's life stories, how Chuck became successful, the steps that he took to becoming a businessman. We share tips and strategies for mindset, as well as Chuck's biggest accomplishments in life, personal and business. And this is jam-packed with information. I know you're going to love this, so buckle up and get ready for a great episode number one. Good evening, Madisonville, Louisiana. All right, episode one of the Living in South Louisiana podcast. I'm Carson Rich, your host, and this is my co-host, Mr. Charles Losher, better known as Chuck Losher, Mr. Entrepreneur, Mr. Businessman, Commercial Real Estate Salesman, all of these things. This guy's crazy. So, Mr. Chuck, first, let's introduce our listeners to us. Tell them a little bit about your life story. Tell them a little bit about Chuck Losher. Absolutely. Uh, Chuck Losher. I grew up in Araby, Louisiana, which was a great neighborhood. Had lots of friends, uh, lots of people my age. Uh, best neighborhood in the world to grow up in, I feel. I grew up, then I went to uh, Holy Cross in fifth grade. And I kind of grew up at Holy Cross and went there to my senior year. But before that, um, my father introduced me to, in 1969, when I was probably five years old, introduced me to Holy Cross and high school football and brought me to my first game. And it was at Holy Cross versus Brother Martin. And I remember going to that game, and, and I was so intrigued by watching Holy Cross come out on the field and the band, the band playing the Holy Cross fight song and watching all the kids run on the field. And it's like, Dad, I want to play for this team one day. And I was only five years old. And I was like, I want to play football one day. Nice. You know, uh, unfortunately, I didn't realize that I was going to be a small kid and a slow kid. <laughs> oh, man, I can relate. I can relate, but I'll let you keep going. <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't realize everybody was so much bigger than me, you know. Yeah. But, but anyway. I, uh, How tall were you back then? Uh, probably when I started, uh, I'd say eighth grade, I was probably only about 4'11", I believe. 4'11", and probably, probably about 120 pounds, I believe. You know, so. But uh, Holy Cross made me a man. It uh, taught me uh, business skills, relation skills, and the things that happened at Holy Cross to me. Some, some of them at the time I might have thought was bad, but actually uh, formed formed my life that I have today. Mm. You know, um, you know, being short and slow, and but wanting to play football. And I, like I said once before, I played playground football. I felt that I was pretty good at it, but high school football was a whole different, over whole different trade. Sure. And uh, but what I did to overcome that, I uh, started working out with weights at 12 years old, realizing I was too short and not that fast. And uh, so I tried to go out for the team, the uh, varsity team, when I was in eighth grade, which was crazy. And I was probably, like I told you, I was probably 4'11 and 
maybe 120 pounds. If were, that. were you at least fast? Were uh, you fast? No, I was slow. Oh, man. <laughs> slow as could be. You know, I had a little strength behind me for being... Yeah, that's, that's, you, you better be strong. If right, you have right. none of those things, right, got to be but, at uh, least strong. But uh, actually, the coach kicked me off the field and said, man, you're too short, you're too oh, slow. Man. And, you know, you're, you're never going to play varsity football, which uh, I love that word, never now. Because when anybody tells me never... That gives me incentive to, to try my best and do my best. So uh, I went back and you know, I cried a little bit, but then I went and started working out even harder and harder. And uh, my freshman year, I actually made the freshman team and kind of did really well. And uh, But unfortunately, I got suspended because I was playing playground football at the same time. So, But I got to practice with both teams every day and play. And then uh, so – the coach had told me I was too short and too slow. He actually got fired that year after the freshman year was over with. And um, a new coach came in, Henry Rando. And I went to the coach and I said, Coach, look, I know I'm short. I know I'm slow. I said, but that's all I ever wanted to do is play football for Holy Cross. And he told me, he said, he said son, he said, I don't cut anybody. They cut themselves. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. I really didn't. But I, f I found out really quick. In spring training, I was horrible, horrible. And he beat my butt, yell at me, kick my butt, throw me off the field, everything. But I kept coming back, and I wouldn't give up. And that summer, I started working out even harder. And I was going to be a sophomore. And I was probably benching 300 pounds as a sophomore. 300 at, pounds. At 130 pounds and probably 5'2 at that time. So more than double your weight. Right. And, uh, and uh, I went. And I practiced all everything I couldn't do in spring training with the big kids did because I was a small kid. I started doing uh, the ropes and carry and, and got better and better at it. So I went out there my sophomore year and he started actually started complimenting me and started putting me down and I was like felt good about myself. And but he he would never stop me because I was too small and too slow. And uh, but he knew that I was probably getting strong and strong in bench press, and I was getting better and better. And then uh, my junior year came up, and he still put people in front of me because he didn't believe in me. But I believed in myself. I didn't care how small I was or slow, but I believed that, that I could do it. And um, unfortunately, the first-string guy got hurt, and uh, we were going into a scrimmage game. And the second-string guy, really unfortunately, his father died that day. So the coach had no, no, no alternative but to put me in the game. So he happened to put me in a game, and I probably made 50%, 60% of the tackles, being a little bitty, and I was going against people with 300 pounds, and I was 130 pounds. Nice. So he complimented me because everything was on film then. So he complimented me the next game and uh, went into the Jamboree game, and I did the same. So he came back to me and he said, Chuck, do you think you could do that every week? I said, Coach, I promise you I could do that every week. So he still – Still was kind of reluctant because I was small, so he put a, a friend of mine who was actually played for LSU and the Seattle Seahawks. He put him in alternating with me. So we. What's his name? What, who uh, Roland, Roland Bombay. Okay. Who was a hell of a nose guard too, but he'd alternate with me, and he was a year younger than me. But most of the time, the coach would put me in because I was a little bit. I wasn't fast, but I was quick, and I could get in the backfield quick, and so on and so on. But I kept working out harder and harder with the weights, trying to get better and better. And that's where, uh, further on in my life, when I realized in business, that's what it amounts to. I think back of my times at Holy Cross, what happened when I was against all odds. What did I do 
to, to get myself to achieve what I wanted to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was working hard, outworking everybody, giving, giving it all what nobody else wanted to give. And I teach my son that today. I said, son, I said, whatever you want in life, you got to do more than the other kid wants to do. They don't want to work out on Saturdays and Sundays. They don't want to work out on Christmas. They don't want to work out on Mardi Gras Day. But if you do that, you achieve what you want to achieve in life. Mm -hmm. So later on in life, when I was kind of got into business and started stumbling a little bit, I'd always think back to the years of Holy Cross, what happened to me, and how did I get to where I wanted to be and achieve the goals I wanted to. Yeah. So you'd say the most important thing you learned from football was to, to work hard, hard work? Work hard, no matter how, how much people put you down or tell you you can't do this and you never can do this. You keep working and working and you'll get there. And you keep praying and praying. I used to go to the chapel every day of my life at Holy Cross. I'd go to the chapel from fifth grade on up during lunchtime. And I could spend 10 minutes in the chapel and pray to God to help me achieve my goals. There you go. But my mom always told me, you know, God only gives to those who work for it, you know. So I knew that I could ask God, but I had to work hard too. You can't just ask God for things. It's like you can't ask God to win the lottery and not go buy a lottery ticket. Right. Correct? <laughs> Correct. Right? So Correct. You need, you need to work hard at things that you do in life yeah. and pray to God too. And God will help those who help themselves. There you and go. I learned that the hard way too. God will help those who help themselves. So you got to help yourself by working for your goals and achieving your goals, but he'll help you as long as you do it. You can't sit home and sleep all day and then pray to God that you want to be successful. It's not going to work. And then before you even do the work, or, I mean, some people won't even pray if they don't believe that it can happen, if they That's don't correct. believe in the reality, if they don't believe that they can achieve what they want to achieve, even if they work hard, they yeah. won't work hard. Right. So I think you've right. got to believe, too. I think in the Bible it says, ask, believe, and then you shall receive. And I think a lot of people forget that, too. Right. They forget they've got to believe in it, too. They've got yeah. to believe you in themselves. God, test, God will test you. Yeah. Lot. So yeah. you you still you had a belief when you were I had small I had when you were I had when you weren't fast right. they would tell you to kick you off the field but for some reason you still had that belief in you and I, I think had, that's I had, why I had the belief in God and I had, I had to believe in myself mm -hmm. that I could do it and uh, that's how I achieved that's how I started achieving things in life thinking back to when I was young how did I get there and I remembered I always went to the chapel and prayed. And I always work 24-7 when the other kids didn't want to work 24-7. Nobody else so is doing it. So same thing in adulthood when you're in business. You got to believe in God. You got to pray to God, but you got to work. You got to work 24-7. When somebody, when you see people who don't want to work on Christmas and don't want to work on Thanksgiving and stuff, and you're working on Thanksgiving, you're working on Christmas, trying to please your customers or please your clients, you're going to make it. The other guy's not going to make it. You got to be willing to do what other people are not willing to do, you know? So okay. that's so, the key to success. So that's what you learned from football. And then uh, later on, how did you get into business? Um, how did that come about? Did you did you have any other odd jobs before oh, yes. business? Well, or what? How did, yeah, how did absolutely. Uh, what happened, my dad became disabled when I was young. And uh, I had to get a job. And just so happened, I was 12, 20 years old when he was disabled and uh, I had helped them out, and uh, my uncle became a chief of police down in um, St. Bernard Parish at the time, and I called him, and that was one of my things I always wanted to do, be in business all my life. I used to carry a briefcase 
since I was little. But I always wanted to be a policeman, too. I had a gun in my briefcase, too. Thank God. <laughs> and I'd carry around when I was five years old. Mm. So I always was going between being a policeman and being a businessman. And was your, was your dad a businessman or no? Uh, he was to a certain extent. Okay. You know, he wouldn't take the chances that I took in life because he had four kids and that. Sure. But he had always had a side business to his, his job. You know? okay. So he worked in the shipyard. But he, he always had a side business building alarm panels for uh, tugboats and uh, rigs. Hmm. So that's how he made his extra money to put us through Holy Cross and stuff. But, you know, I became a policeman. I called my uncle and I said, look, I really need a job. He brought me in. He introduced me right away. He brought me into this gentleman with dark, dark glasses in his room with no lights on. A scary guy. And he interviewed me and they said, uh, we want you to be in narcotics. And I said, narcotics, why me? He said, because you're 20 years old and you look like you're 11. And they said, perfect we, fit. We, perfect fit. We want you to go undercover in high schools. <laughs> and at first, I really didn't want to do it. And the gentleman, uh, they used to call it a hawk, uh, he convinced me, like, you're, you're not hurting people by putting them in jail. You're actually helping people from saving their lives from, from doing drugs and especially kids. So, so he made sense. You know, I wanted to save kids' lives. So go. I went undercover in high school, high school, and I actually had to take tests and sit in class for about seven, eight months, and work undercover and buy buy drugs in the middle of class, and buy actually buy drugs off of some teachers and stuff. And uh, they wanted me to play football at that school, and I begged my boss to let me play football. He said, "You can't. Where they win, you'll be ineligible." You know, so <laughs> so I had to make up an excuse that. Uh, I had a, a hurt leg from because I was supposed to be from Texas, and I had a hurt knee, and they wanted to send me to Doctor Sayer with two the two lane uh, at Tulane, which was the Saints doctor. They said to, to clear me, and I said, "Oh, you know, my mom don't want me to play again." I had to keep up ma- making excuses because I was that's I was, funny. I was very muscular, even though I was and short. You really yeah. gotta like live a different yeah. life. A different life. Yeah, that's so, crazy. So I had to live two lives, you know. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, but uh, I never did really did like being a policeman, other than helping people. You know, yeah. I never liked putting people to jail, you know. Uh, I was a policeman where I thought I could, I'd like to help people instead of yeah. instead of hurt people. And uh, But I always wanted to be in business since I was five years old. So I started started uh, a sporting goods store right after I became a policeman. And I was a full-time policeman running a sporting goods store. And uh, that failed. And then what I did was I took all the tennis shoes out of the sporting goods store so I'm out of the trunk of, trunk of my car or my police car and made all my all my investment back so I didn't lose any money in the sporting nice. goods store. <laughs> so uh, that, that first sporting goods store, how did you even start that? Because a lot of people don't really have the, the courage or at least the belief that you could just start something like that. Where did the money come from? How uh, did you, what connections did you have to make? How did that even come about? Every penny I got since I was a little boy. My grandmother and them used to give me, like, for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and that, I'd save. I'd save everything, and then I, I used to throw papers in high school, and uh, I'd save, you know, I made 80 bucks a month. I'd save, and I saved up to 40000 And then I went to a gentleman who was in a sporting goods store already, and he agreed to be my partner uh, and help me out, and uh, that's how I got started. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you knew what you were going to do as a yeah. as a five-year-old, you yeah, said. Yeah, so exactly. It wasn't nothing to save it. And shortly after that, I, I bought a peanut and candy store. And my mother and father used to drive uh, almost 40 miles to go work for me for $2.50 an hour and go run the store for me while I was, while I was still in the police force. 
And then the mall came to me that we're in and asked me to open up a restaurant because I was so successful in a peanut candy store. So then I opened up, reopened a Spats, which is like a Bennigan's, okay. and started that. And then uh, I had a partner that wasn't so upfront with everything, so I, I got away from him, sold out to him, and uh, stayed in our police department for a while. Then I married my beautiful wife at 30 years old who was still in dental school. And shortly after, uh, I got into the ATM business and get, got my real estate license out there. And that's when it all all started to blossom. Mm. Whenever you, what you said, whenever you started real estate and yeah, ATM my, business. Yeah, that's when everything started okay. to come together at 30, 31, 32 years old. Mm. And so that's what you're doing now, right? Those are your main two I still uh, do that. I, I'm a real estate broker still. I grew my ATM uh, business, me and my brother, from one ATM to 600 ATMs. Um, my brokerage business, shortly after I got into uh, uh, real estate, I started brokering hotels under Ladder and Bloom. And, you know, I was making six figures in a short period of time. And at the same time, every time I'd sell a hotel, I'd ask the, the buyer to, to let me put my ATM machine in, into their lobby. And... Uh, so that's how we started growing the business. Me and my brother grew it. We're, we're in it 25 years now. We process over 680 machines. Nice. You know, and, uh, of course, I own a residential Weikert Lotion Realty Company. I own the CML uh, Commercial Real Estate Services, which is my commercial real estate broker company. I'm a developer uh, for Speedy Cash. Uh, I was putting together deals for CVS for a long time. Uh, I did a lot of development for myself on historical deals, historical buildings, and I also built a couple of hotels um, that I used uh, new market tax credits for. And I got to give my CPA, Ken Abney, the, the credit for all that. He, he's mm. taught me a lot of things. He's made me a lot of money. We're going to have him on soon, too. Yeah, he's going to be a yeah. guest on the podcast. Ken's probably one of the best tax uh, credit CPAs probably in the United States. He's, he's an expert on it. He taught me how to make money on it. And he used tax credits to my advantage. He's a good contact to have. I would like to interrupt today's show to say that if you are looking to relocate to South Louisiana, whether that be in the next nine days or the next 90 days, whenever that happens to be, guys, you can give us a call, shoot us a text, send us an email, or even schedule a Zoom call with us, actually. And we've got your back and would love to help you with your smooth move to South Louisiana. And if you are located in Louisiana and have a home that needs to get sold, only reach out to us if you're looking to get top dollar and the least amount of time with the least amount of headache. Or if you would prefer a cash offer, Chuck and I both buy properties as well, so that's something we can help you out with in that regard as well. And the sponsor of today's show is Dr. Lisa Losher, who is the best dentist on the North Shore. And she's giving away a free teeth whitening kit to you guys. So if you have teeth that are not white, or your teeth could be a little whiter, all you got to do is click the link in the description down below, and you have a chance of winning that free teeth whitening kit. All right, back to the show. Great contact. Yeah. Um, anything, anything else you want to share about your life story? You pretty, you pretty much, uh, told it from start to finish. Anything mm -hmm. else you want to say about uh, well, what you learned or anything? Anything, anybody that's in business, the first thing you need is a great CPA. <laughs> you need, a, and I didn't realize this till later in life, even after I was in business, I didn't realize you need a great CPA. You need a great attorney, business attorney, 
and you have, you need to have investors backing you or cash flow business backing you. You know, some type of cash flow to keep you going because you need you need means to live, but then you need to, you need the extra cash to invest to grow your net worth. Mm-hmm. You know, and we we could teach all that in other podcasts we have, but it's very important. You know, to have a great CPA that knows knows the tax law, knows tax credits, a great attorney that knows finance law, knows title, and have investors behind you or have a cash flow business behind you, which you I was fortunate to build. That's that's good advice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a little bit about my story. So I grew up uh Chuck grew up on a South Shore. He grew up in St. Bernard Parish in Araby. I grew up on the other side of Lake Pontchartrain. I grew up in Covington and I live in Madisonville now, which is where the where our office is. But um so yeah, I, I grew up in Covington and I was a quiet kid and I also for whatever reason I didn't know necessarily I wanted to be in business, but I knew I wanted to make money. I knew that I needed to figure out a way to make money and we would drive around uh my parents would show us these houses that they wanted to buy and they were all I guess you would say uh below average houses. And I would ask them, like, well, why can't we have this house? Why can't we that have this house? And they'd tell me, well, we can't afford that. And so in my brain, I've always been like this. There's two kinds of people in life. One person says, well, I just I can't have it because life's not fair, and um, that's not for me. I'm a different kind of person. A different kind of person is able to buy that house. But my mindset is, well, if someone is able to buy that house, then... I can buy that house. I'm also a human being. If this human being can do this, then I can also do this because I'm no different than him. And so from a young age, I also, I was like, well, I've got to figure out how to get the things that I want. If I see someone drive by in a Ferrari, my question to myself is, how do I get the Ferrari? Not, um, this guy's a a butthole or he's, this guy's uh, just showing off or something. None of that uh, negativity went through my mind, even at a young age, but Anyways, like I said, I was a quiet kid, and I found out whenever pretty much my freshman year of high school, I found out I wasn't able to focus. I wasn't able to retain any information that I learned in school, so I'd have to come home, and I'd either have to teach myself or have my mom teach me. My mom would stay up till past midnight sometimes teaching me um, the schoolwork that the teacher was teaching us because I just I couldn't retain it. So I would tell him, I, I can't focus. I'm having trouble focusing in school. And um, at first, it was kind of something they blew off. Like, yeah, you can focus. You're doing just fine. Because I always had good grades or whatever. Well, I made them bring me to the doctor. I was like, I'm telling you, something's different. My brain is not working like the other kids. And so, uh, turns out I definitely, I had a, a, a pretty bad <laughs> case of ADHD. Like mm-hmm. I said, I literally, I, I couldn't read and I'm not, I, I'm, I'm being serious. I don't feel bad about that. I, <laughs> had, the, I, I had the same thing, but they, they didn't know what that was when I was in high yeah, school. Yeah, there wasn't a name for they, it. They, huh? they, they didn't have a name for it. Yeah. <laughs> so I would look at a book and it's just words. And of course I, I knew how to read. I could I could read words, but I couldn't read a book. I'd look at it, and I just I wouldn't be able to follow. Even if I read an entire page, I'd forget everything instantly. I couldn't retain it. But anyways, 
I kind of learned the same way you learned about hard work, which was the other kids, they could finish their work, no problem. They'd learn things in school and they'd take tests and they'd just be, they'd be just fine. Well, I had to work 10 times harder than them because I had to go home and learn it myself and then try to, um, you know, I, I was, I was a bad test taker too, but I, I got the extra time and I would stay, you know, hours after school got out, taking my test. I was the only one there. Everyone else left, went home or whatever. And I'm still at the school for two hours taking my test. So I've, I've had that too. And for whatever reason, my mentality in high school was, well, I know I can't focus like they can, um, but I kind of had this pride that I knew I was going to make it because I was accepting the fact that I was going to have to work harder and I was going to go for it. So what I did was I actually took honors classes in high school, and the the regular classes would have been extremely difficult anyways. And uh, But it was just the fact that I made myself do it because of what it meant to me that I could prove to myself that I could do something instead of beating myself up and telling myself, Oh, I'm broken or something like that. I just, that's the route I took. And I think it served me very well. So, um, it's not to be ashamed of many people have that problem. And usually the people with them problems are more successful than the normal person. You think so? I, but I, I know in my heart, successful. Yep. And, you know, most people that, don't have uh, college degrees are probably 60, 70% of the most successful people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying don't have a college degree. I'm just telling you that it seems like when you don't have it, that you work twice as hard to prove that, that you can do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was something I had to prove to myself. I also took karate when I was younger. I was mm-hmm. like probably eight years old when I started karate. I got my black belt when I was young so it's it's not like i remember much from karate but what i do remember is our karate instructor had um on the wall he had integrity discipline and i think hard work something like that but nowadays people tell me carson you have so much integrity you have so much discipline uh self-confidence etc like how did you how did you learn these things it has come naturally to you I think it was actually from that karate karate class Probably because was. he he'd make us every day to walk in he'd make us Repeat. say aloud he'd say um, every day and every way I'm getting better and better and it was like these affirmations we say every day and on the wall it's discipline integrity hard work and I think that's where that's where I got it from and that's why I think I'm um I'm where I'm at now but anyways yeah that was that was my life up until high school i went to college for a couple years decided it wasn't for me but i was working at pj's coffee which is a local coffee shop here for four years that's where i met mr chuck he used to come in every day and get a protein velvet ice for his son chandler who is a world champion power lifter by the way his Instagram is Big Chan Lifts, so y'all can follow him on there. That dude's crazy. What do you cook him in the mornings? Every Chicken morning, rice? I gotta go. First, I go to PJ's, get him a extra large velvet vanilla ice protein or shake, uh-huh. and then I go to Win Dixie and buy an extra large chicken pack and four four small steaks and a in a bag of rice. So I go home. He eats all that once, I, once that, per day. The uh, I put it in two separate containers, 
And he goes to school and asks as his teacher, can he start at 10 o'clock in the morning because he's got to eat every two hours. And he eats, <laughs> eats one and eats the other one and saves some for two. But then he goes after school and gets a, a smoothie with protein in it and then goes to the gym uh, twice a day. And then he goes home and studies from 7, 8 o'clock at night to 12 o'clock at night with his mom like you used to do because yeah. he don't retain the information good like you. Yeah. But he, he's a world champion. I'm very proud of him. And he holds a lot of a lot of state and national records. Mm. How much of that is just um, the hard work that you were telling me earlier? Just if, if, the, what, if the other power lifters aren't working at these times, are they not eating every two hours like this? So if you want to well, beat them, you got you to do it. You know, he practices kind of what I preach and not to pat myself on the back, but he doing hurricanes – before he had to evacuate, he had to go to the gym. So he went to the gym. When he was evacuated, he went to the gym every day. Mm-hmm. Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, he goes to the gym. He goes to the gym, it's 24 hours a day. And he makes sure he, he goes twice a day if he can. He works out two hours at a time, so he works out four hours a day. So that's how he achieves his goals. And he puts he writes his goals on his wall in his room every morning on the chalkboard. Nice. What he wants to achieve. and he makes sure he achieves it. That's and, powerful. Uh, he's only 17 years old, mm. but uh, he gets it. And hopefully, hopefully he relays if he's ever failing in life, that he relates back to how he got to how he reached them goals and uses uses that same philosophy. And he goes to the he goes to the chapel every day, just like I used to at St. Paul's and prays prays to God and thanks God for what he has, and and thanks God asks God to give him the strength of Samson. Mm. That is so good. That's real good. I think if if anyone that has any type of goal, if you put it on the wall like that and you see it every day and you remind yourself, kind of gives you a little bit more motivation to keep going. And I think one thing that people forget is um, to celebrate the small wins. Because if you want to, if you have this big goal and there's all these steps you got to take to get to that goal, you've got to celebrate each one to give you Correct. that momentum to keep going to the next one. Because what happens if you don't celebrate it, there's no dopamine, you don't yeah. feel good, and you just quit because you're like, oh, it's, it's not, you know, it takes forever, whatever. Yeah. But you've got you've to gotta enc- encourage it and celebrate it. And that's why I think I do well in real estate because I get all the encouragement from you guys that – you're just uh, you're always telling me, always um, hyping me up, really, right. telling me uh, that you're I'm doing, doing good. So it yeah. uh, it helps with that. It, it when I hear that, you're a natural. It, yeah, it just it helps me keep going. It helps keep the momentum. And you're I think natural, when you have you're young you know, and you're gonna be great at what you do. No, thank no you. No matter what you do, you're gonna be great at. You have you have what it takes. You have the drive. Thank you. You have the drive and the talent too. Um, yeah, my son's an entrepreneur too. He started. He got a bunch of T-shirts made. Born to bench. And he sells his T-shirts for thirty dollars a piece. Nice. And uh, you know, if y'all want to follow him, big. big How do you? T- where do they get the T-shirts at? Through uh, Instagram. Uh, they probably can reach out to him on Instagram. I got and you. Get them, and he'd send it to him. But he's he's learning entrepreneurship. He's starting to you know enjoy making money, and he big chain lifts, and he's having his own website built, and uh, he's going to train people over a website how to how to become powerful like him. And you might want to follow him because he's uh, his his bench press record is 550 pounds, uh, which is more than anybody has ever benched in the state of Louisiana. So you might want to follow him this year. Uh, I think it's and it's going to happen in March. He's probably going to try to do 600, which would be he wants to break his crazy. own record. 
How old is he? Uh, he'll be 18 by then. 18 years old. But 600 pounds. School. I think still he's going to get it. I think he's going to get the 600 pounds. He doesn't do any drugs either. He doesn't do any any steroids. All natural. He no, all natural. He I don't he doesn't drink alcohol. He's the cleanest kid you've ever you'd ever meet in your life and he's he's just a monster. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. But um anyways, uh like I said, I was working at PJ's. I was a barista for forever and I guess um I was good at talking to people and people generally liked me. Um I had a lot of good relationships from the coffee shop um and so i was talking back and forth with mr chuck one day because he'd come in and talk about opening up a, a pj's franchise or open some kind of coffee shop and for whatever reason i kind of had this urge and i say this to people all the time whenever i have these sudden urges that's not impulsive but it feels like something that needs to get done something that i have to do it's always a good decision anytime i have these urges it's always i think it's from god i think it's a message that if if i want my life to go how i want my life to go this is my opportunity so when those opportunities come up i always make sure to grab it and so i was walking one night and i had this random urge that i need to get chuck's phone number and uh i need to build some kind of relationship with him talk to him i didn't know what it was going to be about at first but he came in the next day, and I said, Mr. Chuck, I need you to, to write down your phone number on the back of this receipt. And like I said, didn't know why. And so we started texting back and forth, and I guess he liked what I was saying. I thought I wrote the wrong phone number, but I guess I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so he liked what I was saying. And he uh, at first what we were going to do is open a coffee shop together. Um, I guess he saw something in me. And um, we were driving around looking for a location for a coffee shop. He told me off the bat, just, uh, you know, randomly one day, he said, you'd be good at selling real estate. And so I, I, didn't, I knew nothing about real estate back then. It's like, what is he talking about? But he's talking to me about selling hotels and all kinds of stuff and how much his, uh, his daughter's making, etc. So I started looking into it. And I learned a little bit about it, and it made sense to me. It made a whole lot more sense than what I was doing because when you're in the W-2 world, no matter how much money you're making, you have to trade your time for money, and that's the way it works. If, you, if you're making minimum wage, you trade this amount of hours to make this amount of money. And with, um, with 1099 world, or if you own any kind of business, because – uh, real estate agents technically they own their own business they work for themselves if you own any kind of business you have to work hard for a long time you work hard but the time you put in is not proportionate to the amount of money that you make and i know that the way i'm building my business that one day i'll be able to live off of referrals that i'll have so much uh, business coming in that i'm essentially working for in the past that uh, comes to fruition later on and so it made a whole lot more sense from a uh, a money perspective that i know i'm willing to work hard for it and i know it's going to pay off way more than it ever could working at a coffee shop because remember college wasn't for me i thought maybe i was going to be a nutritionist but i knew i was going to have to own some kind of business or figure something out so real estate made sense and i started doing that no when you sales sky's the limit Especially yeah. a real estate license. You never know when 
and it's happened to me where you know I've brokered twenty million dollar deals, and you you know you you don't imagine that when you first get your license that you could actually broker a twenty million dollar deal and and possibly make three percent or two percent of that deal, mm-hmm. you know, which is huge money, you know, mm-hmm. four hundred thousand, six hundred thousand, or whatever. Um, so the sky's the limit. It's just how hard you work, you know. And you know, when I used to work for Loud and Bloom, I, I'd walk into uh, these celebrations at the end of the year, thinking, man, I, I had to be the top agent this year. And I was making two, three hundred thousand dollars, and there was always some guy that walked in that sold a hundred million dollars in real estate that year and made six hundred thousand dollars, you know, to my two hundred. Not always. I walk in proud, like I know it's going to be me. And then time I walk out, I have my yeah. head down. It's like, damn, these guys are good, yeah. you know. But over the years, you know, I got that good. It just takes time. It takes time to get that good with experience in it. You know? Yeah. And anybody could do it with the drive and motivation like you have, and not giving up. Like I said, do not ever give up. Never give up. You know, it's. Uh, I went to a, a seminar the other day with the, the gentleman that owns a Hobby Lobby. And he started out borrowing $600 to start his first business. And then uh, out of his garage. And then he grew to a retail center. And he was in that retail center, and he was just, he was, couldn't make payroll, just bouncing checks and everything. And he went in his office and kept praying and praying. He'd pull out the hole. And all of a sudden, things started going his way. And he pulled out the hole. Now he he does eight hundred billion dollars a year in sales. Oh yeah, yeah, I think it's eighty eighty billion dollars a year in sales. I'm sorry. Oh my. Goodness. And he gives fifty percent of his net profit to the church. So you got to figure on eighty billion dollars, he's probably making twenty percent, which is a hundred and sixty million a year. So he's giving eighty million dollars to the church. Yeah, per year. That's crazy. You know, but you got to know. There's that, there's always someone who's making more, who's doing more, right. someone that you can learn from. No matter how but, big you get, there's but, always someone else. But the key is, is you're going to go through failures in life. Everybody's going to go through failures and hard times. There's the ones that get up and keep going. There's the ones that are going to be successful. Mm. The ones that crawl into the table and cry and, and give up are the ones that never be successful. Are the ones that never try and just keep pointing the fingers mm. and feel bad for themselves. Feel bad for themselves and yeah. don't want to work or jealousy and stuff. Jealousy kills. Yeah. Jealousy kills. You know, you should get with that person that's motivated and go with him and follow positive people all the time. I've heard that it's a mindset. Positive people follow positive people. Mm. Hang with positive people and and fight. You know, and somebody sits there and argues with you. Every, you know, the worst thing is when somebody actually shows advice and you give them the best advice you have and they're going to argue about the advice you give them. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, why did you ask me for advice? Yeah. Why you ask me for advice? You're going to argue argue against me. I'm giving you my advice. If you got a different opinion, that's It's called fine. picking a fight. Right, picking a fight, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's like, you know, don't ask my advice if you don't want to hear the truth. Right. You know, but, you know, but I'm positive about everything. Every, everybody can make it. Anybody can make it in this world. you got to want it. And hard, mm-hmm. you know, God's made people from all different, all different types of race and and stuff to do different type of jobs and trades and that. Without trade people, we couldn't survive. Without people who were cooks, we couldn't survive. So everybody's made for has a talent. They got to find that talent, but they got to build from that talent. If you're a cook, 
you'd be the best cook you could ever be and become a chef. Then that chef becomes to own a restaurant. If you're at McDonald's and you're mopping floors, learn how to mop the floors better than anybody else. Learn how to work the register anybody else. Learn how to make them hamburgers better. Than, learn how to wrap them hamburgers better than anybody else. And build yourself to where you're going to own the McDonald's. Yeah. You know, don't think that because you're belittled because you, you're taking that job mopping the floors because you're not. Take that job is that you want to learn that job the best you can because one day you're going to own that McDonald's mm. or you're going to own that Burger King or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was, that was kind of me at PJ's. I was, mm. I was determined I was going to be the best barista and i was asked to be manager i didn't want to be manager but just wanted to be the best barista and there really wasn't a reason i thought maybe i'd own a pj's maybe i'd own a, a franchise or whatever but you still might wonder you know yeah you don't know what yeah. life you don't know where life's gonna take you i don't but whatever whatever you do don't be ashamed of it mm. have the mindset it's all about mindset positive mindset you know mm. i'm taking out trash today i'm a trash man today but I'm going to own a trash company one day. Yeah. There's nothing to be ashamed of. No business, nothing you do in life is to be ashamed of. Yeah. I think the hard part for people is sticking that in their mind, which is why. Yeah, it's hard. Because life happens and then you kind of you kind of get away from your goals. That's why I was saying like Chandler does. He puts it on his wall. Like he knows what his right. purpose. He knows what his goals are because he sees it every single day. Yeah. He wakes up and sees it. And he, you said he writes it. Yeah. So I think that's, you've got to. You, it's consistency. You've got to see it and you've got to believe it every right. single day. If it's, it's a mindset, it's a mindset you got to be creative with. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of times these mindsets have got to be placed in your mind when you're young. So you grow positive thinking, positive mm. mindset. You can change it, but you know, a lot of things start at home, mm. you know, and if, if it doesn't start at home, you got to say, Hey, you got to step away from your home and say, look, I'm going to be positive. Yeah. I want to be a positive person. I'm not going to hang around the bad crowds. I'm not going to hang around these people who do drugs and all that. I want to be. Mm -hmm. I want to be successful in life. I want to make something of myself. I'll tell you something that I, something that I learned um, a while back. So there's different brainwave states that we all have. I think um, beta is the one we're most often in, which is kind of um, alert and awake and like having conversations. I believe that's beta. And then you get into, I believe, alpha. And then alpha, I believe, is when you're, you're starting to get tired. You're getting ready to go to bed or whatever. You're kind of winding down for the night. And then you get into theta when you're falling asleep. Well, so a child from zero to seven years old is always in theta. And when you're in theta, you're suggestible and you're programmable which is the equivalent of programming a computer or a robot to do certain things. When your kid is zero to seven years old, you can literally program them to believe anything, to, uh, to have whatever kind of mindset. It's at that age that people are literally made. Like if you tell a kid that they are a bad kid at a young age like that, if you tell them, they're bad, they're always not listening to you, etc. Guess what they're going to do when they're in high school or later on in life? They're going to end up in jail, etc. a lot of times because they were taught to believe that, that I'm a bad kid, it's who I am. If you teach someone, if you teach a six-year-old that um, 
money isn't for you, that uh, people that have money are lucky and they're not happy anyways, blah, 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 blah. That's whatever you teach them, it's going to stick with them. So if anyone, any one of our listeners has a kid at that age, zero to seven years old, remember you're programming them. Whatever they hear you say or whatever you say to them is going to stick with them for the rest of their life. Positive, Mm. positive mindset. Everything's positive, you know, and when you have children, you should do everything with them. You know, when you go out to eat, take them with you. You go, anything you do, go to the movies, take them with you as much as you can. And be an example, because they're watching you every second of the day. They look at it. There's a song, I think there's a song out where, uh, it's a country song, where where he says, uh, Papa, I was watching you. Like, where you learn to pray like that? I was watching you, Dad. I was watching you pray. So mm-hmm. they watch everything you do, and they want to be like you. That's so if cool. you set a negative goal for them, they're going to become negative. But if you set positive, and you show them you're praying, you're being a good person, and you want them to be a good person, and tell them they can achieve anything in their lives, they'll achieve. They'll they'll achieve. Mm-hmm. You know? And you can overcome some of the obstacles in your life, and I've seen a lot of people overcome that. You know, but if you can prevent. They have to come over that obstacle and have a mindset for them to be positive. They'll be positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any uh, Do you have any mindset tips and tricks or strategies that anyone that's wanting to improve their mindset? Maybe someone listening just knows they need to improve, that um, they're telling themselves negative well, things, they're just going well, through something. What, what yeah. can they do? Well, first, you know, I believe, you know, you have to pray to God. That's the first thing. Second thing, I've always hung around with people older than me. I'm an old guy now, but I've always hung around with people 20 years older than me. Mm. More experienced. More experienced, and they taught me. They would tell me, Chuck, don't do this. And the reason why they're telling you not to do that, because they've been through it, and they know it don't work. They say, don't do this, do this. And listen to older people, because they've been through it, and they experienced. I have many friends who are a lot older than me, are multi-millionaires, and they made many mistakes, and they were broke. And they would tell me, Chuck, don't do this, do this, because they knew. And they had, they were friends of mine, and they had feelings with me, and they didn't want me to fail and go the route that they had to fail and the hardships they go through. Even though I went through hardships, you know, because a lot of times you don't listen to people, but I'm telling you to listen to older people. Pray, listen to older people, and keep working hard. Work hard, have goals. And that's the key to success. Key to success and you know, to ask for people, don't be ashamed to ask for advice. You know, a lot of people are stubborn and say, I don't need anybody. Well, you do need people. You know, you need customers, you need clients to get through, but you also need friends. I, I've, I've had a good banker in my life, a, a gentleman named Dean Haynes that, that taught me how to get financing when it was hard to get financing. I had a great attorney, Marcus Giusti, a real estate attorney. I have a great CPA, Ken Abney. I've learned from all them. They, they, they had to go through school and get all the education. Where, where I cheated, where mm-hmm. I, I, just I, I, I just talked to them and learned from them. So I let them pay for the education. I learned from them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. I learned from them, and they did a great job. They're teaching me, and uh-huh. that's how I learned. But I listened. I didn't buck yeah. them. I didn't say Took no. Notes. You're wrong, Ken, or no. You're wrong, Marcus, or no. You're wrong, Dean. Mm. I sat there and listened. You know, and I have a, another great friend named Joe, and Joe's. A, worth probably over a hundred million dollars, you know, but he was broke at one time, eating out of trash cans and stuff. But he 
advised me on things and told me, Chuck, don't do this. And he was always right. He always could predict the future. Mm-hmm. Tell me, don't invest in this right now. It's not the time. So I've listened. You know, I've listened to them, and and that's how I, I got the experience and, and became successful. Yeah. If someone has done the thing that you want to do, it's probably a good idea to listen to listen. what they have to say. Right, don't if everybody's <laughs> going that way and they're making money, don't go the other way. Because yeah. that, that's the way. And you know, I did that mistake yeah. sometimes. Everybody's running to like Lakeview and Metairie after Katrina, and I ran the other way. And the ones that were in Lakeview and Metairie, that they made all the money. You know, mm. they made a lot of money because yeah. you know, uh, and I went other ways. I didn't. I made some money too but i didn't make as much as up right yeah. right so it kind of followed a trend <laughs> okay so any other any other uh things on mindset before we move on mindset uh like i said just be positive and always look to somebody that's got more experience than you and don't yeah. be don't be ashamed to say you don't know and, and ask questions okay so i want to know mr chuck what your biggest accomplishments are in both business and personal. So we'll start with business. What What do you think is your uh, biggest business accomplishment? Business accomplishment is probably development, um, learning through other people, being a broker, and learning through my CPA to take uh, how to take tax advantages by developing. Uh, I developed a, a beautiful building downtown, a historical building at 3 Harbor Road Street, that my accountant showed me how to use tax credits to get money to actually get the equity to do a $5 million deal. And it was very successful. Then uh, he taught me how to get uh, new market tax credits, which I actually built a hotel, Best Western, down at St. Bernard Parish uh, after Katrina, which was one of the first brand-new developments down there in hotel development in years that uh, we really did very, very well with. And... Um, you know, I'm proud of them two developments. You know, uh, I'll also develop uh, uh, help CVS uh, assemble properties. Well, actually, Hawford out of Connecticut uh, assemble properties to build CVS on, which was really very tough deals. But I was glad to be a part of it with them and learn, and uh, was the key to keeping holding the deals together because these deals take a long time to develop. Um, so that and raising capital, you know, learning how to raise capital for different deals to stay in deals. So, you know, I'm not a, afraid to go out there and do a $10 million deal, $5 million deal, because I know how to raise capital now. And I've learned that from experience from older gentlemen and people in the real estate business. So I'm proud of that. And personal, um, you know, I, the best thing, I guess, I met my wife, you know, beautiful wife, and my wife is very successful. In, in dentistry and together we raised three beautiful kids that we're very very proud of one graduated from university of alabama who's in real estate with me one's graduated from lsu who's now in lsu dental school hopefully she takes over her mother's practices and my son i'm very proud of he's a world champion powerlifter and uh honor roll student at st paul's and hopefully his his achievements take him far beyond what i achieved in life Mm, that's awesome yeah that's pretty much it do you have anything else you want to share with the listeners before we wrap it up i just want to tell you when people tell you never you can't do it take that as you can do and stay positive and trust me 
the only reason why I made it successful in my life is because God wanted me to be where I'm at. And without God, I couldn't have did it. You know, uh, I believe he, he tested me and he still tested me, but he's gave me the opportunity to get to where I'm at. And he's lending me this time and everything I own, he's lending to me. It's not really mine. <laughs> mm. Stay positive, work on your mindset, believe in yourself. And uh, that's pretty much it for episode one.